Good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. Hello. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor Victory. want to say welcome. So glad to have you here, as Zenobia said. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about real quick before we get in the message today. First of all, there's actually two holidays today, which are interesting to me that they fall on the same day. I'm not sure if that's going to how it's continue to go uh, the rest throughout, you know, years from now. But there's two things. First of all, I don't know if y'all were aware of this. Today is happy Juneteenth Day. All right. Are y'all aware of this? This is incredible. This, is, this has been a holiday for forever, really. But I believe last year was the first year it became a national holiday. And so, again, we just want to say that want to be able to say happy Juneteenth day on this day as well it is Father's Day so happy Father's Day to all of our fathers yeah um, we'll get to that in just a moment I do want to celebrate if, if you're looking for ways to give to victory you can do that three ways uh, first as similar to our connection you can do it online through our online portal uh, you can also text to give as well and then as you're leaving out today there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket if you want to do cash or check and anytime we talk about giving towards victory, I always try to do my best to share with you how that money is impacting lives. And so it's, it's happening always right here, all the things that we're able to do, even the biscuits and the donuts that are provided today. And just so you know, that's for everybody. Uh, we did it to celebrate our dads, but it's open to everybody. So please leave here with a biscuit or a donut and celebrate all of the fathers today. Um, but we always try to do things in our community. And so yesterday was kind of a community cleanup day that was happening around Nashville, and there was a location right here in Antioch. And so the idea of that is, first of all, you can come and bring any kind of furniture or th something big items that you're wanting to get rid of so that they won't end up on the side of the street. That's a really cool opportunity. You could bring it there and they would get rid of it for you. But also it's an encouragement to come out, team up together, and then go out to the area and do physical cleanup. And so that was community cleanup day, and we were able to provide hot dogs, chips, waters, and food for everybody that came out to volunteer. So I want to say thank you, Victory Church. Come on, give yourself a hand. Like, I just think it's cool that people were coming to serve, and then they didn't even know about it. So the food was a surprise. And so as they show up to serve, they're ready to sweat and do all those kind of things, and then they're handed hot dogs and chips and waters and all that kind of stuff. And so I just think that's really awesome. And then if they ask, you know, how much does it cost? It's free. It's already paid for. And because you are so faithful to victory, we're able to do that. And so I just want to say thank you. Before we get into the message today, we wanted to have a little bit of fun with the men, all men. So it's not just fathers. All men can participate in this. We're calling it the Battle of the Beards. All right. Um, I found out recently that for some reason our church is heavy in the beards. As I was looking around, uh, I was joking with a bunch of the people from the church talking about how we were going to ban beards from the church, and I think half the church is ready to leave. And so uh, we're finding out. So we thought it'd be fun. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to present three categories, uh, fluffiest beard, uh, best manicured beard, and then longest beard. And so we're going to kind of measure them and judge them real quick right here in front of the stage. And then we have gifts for them. And so we're going to start off with fluffiest beard. And so I want to invite Chris up for a moment. Chris is going to help us in this. But anybody who wants to participate, we need you to stand right now. If you think you might have the fluffiest beard, come on, we need more participation. What's happening right now? Come on, stand up, stand up. Fluffiest beard. Is he, is he going to win automatically? Is he going to win automatically? Oh, is this how we're going? You chickens. You're such chickens on Father's Day. Fluffiest beard. You're not even, no competition. No competition. Can I touch it? Let me touch it. Man, I may just stand here for 30 minutes and do this. This is really fluffy. No competition? All right. Winner of the fluffiest beard. There we go. $10 Chick-fil-A card. All right. Thank you, Dan. You may end up winning the last one too as well. All right. Next category is the best manicured beard all right so this is this doesn't even mean long here we go here we go come on down here let's get you down front nobody from this side of the room all right i see how it's going to be best manicured let's see check it out okay oh wow i can already see it from right here oh he, he didn't even anybody just just from i'm going to do a little applause meter from your guys point of view all right what about seth right here She's cheering about something else, guys. Just letting you know. Uh, how about John? Let's hear it for John manicured. All right. Now let's hear it for Sam manicured. Bill Sam. All right. 
So I'm going, is it Sam? I think it's Sam, best manicure board. There you go, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, I did spend extra time on mine today, uh, but it didn't look any different, so it is what it is. All right, last, watch this. Look at this gift right here for longest beard. Look at that. In case you're wondering, don't hate me because I'm beardful, right? That's awesome. All right, so we're about to try longest beard. All right, so if you're going to participate in longest beard, stand up. Stand up. It's going to be a... Andrew. Come on, Andrew. 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 Yes. Uh, Lu Lucas. Come on, Luke. Come on, Luke, dog. Nick, Nick is not here today, so if he's watching online, shame you for not being here on Longest Beard. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. Let's pull it. Pull it here. Let's get it real straight. Real straight. Oh, 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 oh. Ten inches. There we go. All right. There's a good chance that this is going to swallow you whole, but you should be able to wear that. You should be able to fit. Not so much anymore. Hey, come on. Give it up for all of our men today. Man. I love it. I love it. So, somebody was telling me before service, they were, they were complimenting my beard. And I said, look, uh, this, is, this is 37 years in the making, okay? <laughs> if it wasn't for 2020, I wouldn't have a beard because we all had to go through the awkward stage, right? I'm pretty sure these last guys, they didn't go through the awkward stage. It's just automatic, bam. But again, to all of our men, we, we love you. We're so glad you're part of Victory. Thank you for everybody that participated. You looked amazing. Seth, hurry up and get married. And... Uh, <laughs> So it's going to be a good day. All right, you ready for the word? You excited? Man, we are studying the Beatitudes, as Kristen said, uh, Matthew chapter 5. you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. You can do it on your phones. You can do it in a paper Bible if you have it. And, of course, it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, last week, we started it, and we addressed the first Beatitude, which was poor in spirit. And we talked about how it's a good thing for us to arrive at a place where we let everything go, where the world's telling us to tie the knot and hang on. Jesus says, let it go. And so it was just a powerful, powerful day as we broke that down. And throughout this series, each week we're going to cover one of these Beatitudes. And my hope for you, honestly, is that by the time the series is over, you will really know the Beatitudes. You'll, you'll be able to quote them. You'll know them. You'll know the depth of them. And it'll mean more to you when you read it. So we're going to read it real quick all the way through. And then we will get to the message. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, if you're reading along with us, says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. He's going to eventually do the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, but he begins it with these Beatitudes. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You'll notice he says blessed and then he gives a reason as a result of that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, we'll talk about that next week, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning from the idea blessed on a bad day. Blessed on a bad day. Let's start it off like this. How many in here would say that there's been a moment where you had a bad day? Raise your hand if you say you have a, you've had a bad day. How many of you would say you've had the worst day before? How many of you would say it was the worst, all right? How many of you believe your day was worse than everybody else raising their hand? Anybody believe in that? No? Okay, we got a few. We got a few. Uh, I was reading this story the other day about a man in California, true story, and the article was all about how he had had the worst day. Now, when I tell this story, I'm, I'm certain there are people who have had worse days, but this is a funny story to even listen to. So I thought I'd, I'd kind of share it with you, and, and maybe, just maybe, if you're having a bad day, you would hear this story and go, well, it wasn't that bad, all right? So he lives in California. Uh, he was outside of his house fixing his motorcycle, all right? So he's cleaning it up, getting it ready to go. Something happened, something went wrong, and he accidentally hit the gas on the motorcycle, and he was on the motorcycle, and it took off into his house. It went, it went 
through the front of his house, and he crashed into his living room. So he's laying on the floor. He's cut up. He's bloody. He's busted through the wall. You know, his whole living room's destroyed. And he's laying there, and his wife freaks out, right? She goes and she calls 911. They send the ambulance. The ambulance gets there. They pick him up. They kind of lived on a hill. They walk him down the hill, load him into the ambulance. And while he's headed to the hospital, the wife decides she's going to clean up the house. And so she starts cleaning up and there's gasoline everywhere. So she's getting all of their towels and she's, you know, mopping up the gasoline and she doesn't know what to do with the towels. So she puts them in the toilet. She just figures that's a safe place for him for now. So she can go back to cleaning the house. Meanwhile, in all of that time, the husband is checked out in the hospital. He's sent home. He comes home. He walks into the house. And this is a true story. Walks into the house, sees the damage that he's done to the house, sees the damage done to his motorcycle. He's overwhelmed with depression. He goes into the bathroom to sit down and smoke a cigarette, okay? Sets down on the toilet. Some of you are already ahead of me. Um, lights him a cigarette gets ready to kind of, you know, flick off the ashes or whatever into the toilet. Toilet explodes, okay? It's so bad that it knocks his pants off of him, burns his backside. Obviously, it's a huge commotion. Wife runs in, sees him laying on the ground, calls 911 again. The same paramedics come out to the house. They come, they get him loaded up on the stretcher. They're walking him down the hill and they ask the wife what happened. She explains the story. They start laughing. One of the paramedics loses grip, drops him off, and he breaks his arm. That's the worst day, you know what I mean? Like you've wrecked through the house, you've blown up the toilet, you've broken your arm, it's a bad day. I, I don't know if any of you would say that you've had a worse day than that. If you have, then please tell me that story. Um, but it just seems like a, a bad day. And I, I thought it was interesting to kind of open up talking about this because if we're not careful, many of us today think that faith promises no pain. We think this concept of following Jesus Christ means that we're no longer going to experience pain, that we're no longer going to have hardship, that the moment we become a follower of Jesus, there should be some type of spiritual exemption that removes us from the daily problems that people face. And so we think this should just be something different because now we're a Christian. And it's just so natural that hard times come. And so when we do find ourselves in a hard time, what normally happens is we become angry at God. We, we think we shouldn't face those things. They happen, and then we become angry at God. And we need to understand that we are going to face difficult moments, listen to me, all throughout the course of our life. From the moment we are a child to the moment we pass away, we are going to have multiple difficult moments in life. Now, I've shared this before. Darla was mentoring a young lady, and she messaged her, and she said, why do bad things happen to good people? And I've preached on this, and first of all, none of us are good, so get that past your head. But here's the real reality, is that when sin happened, pain, disappointment, letdown, heartache, all of this entered into the world. So it's a result of sin. And so we are all going to experience it. There's always going to be moments. If you think you've gotten past it, you haven't. In fact, I've heard it said like this. We are all either uh, coming out of a difficult moment, in a difficult moment, or fixing to go into a difficult moment. Glad you came to church, right? <laughs> like, thanks, Pastor. That was very depressing. I appreciate that on this Father's Day. He fed me a biscuit and then made me think life sucks. Like, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. But, but that's not my point. My, my point in that is that we are always going to face difficult situations, and I love that Jesus didn't sugarcoat it. I love that Jesus never thought to himself, I better mislead people so that they will follow me. He never had this mindset of, let me make you think it's this walk through a, a field of lilies so that you'll want to be a Christian. He came up right up to tell his disciples, listen, you're going to experience hard times. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. Like you are going to experience these things. Jesus said, it's not a question. It's a guarantee. But I'm telling you this now so that you'll understand that it's not purposeless, that there's a reason. You're not just hurting to hurt, but that God will actually use it in a powerful way. Jesus wanted us to understand, watch this, that God did not cause the bad day, 
but he did promise to use it. So when something happens, God didn't cause it. You can say biblically that he allowed it, but he didn't cause it, but he did promise to use it. And as believers, as believers, we should never allow our happiness to be controlled by our circumstance. Because above everybody else, we should know that our discomfort, that our circumstance is temporary. Like, like as believers, as Christ followers, as those who read the word and pray, we should not allow our happiness to be controlled by our current circumstance. Because above everybody, we know that God is in control, that Christ is on the throne, and that whatever it is we're facing is temporary. But, let's be honest for a second, it's still difficult, right? Like, just because we know that as believers doesn't mean that we don't still struggle when we have bad days. Doesn't mean that there are not still moments where we get mad at God. We were doing our EH class, our Emotional Healthy Spirituality class one night, and one of the young ladies that was in the class asked, like, if it was okay to kind of be mad at God, to lament to God in prayer. And I was explaining to her how, how many times I do it on a daily basis, where I'm talking to God and I'm mad about the current situation, and I'm yelling at him, and I just remember telling her, God's a big boy. He can handle my upset, you know, me being upset. So it's okay to be in a situation where it's unfun, where it's uncomfortable, where you don't like it, but we have to understand that God wants to use it that there's a purpose behind it, which is why the second beatitude, the one that we're studying, Matthew 5, 4, says this, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are upset, who are grieving. Blessed are those because they will be comforted. The result of you mourning is that God comforts you. Now, when you first hear this, it sounds like Jesus has kind of lost his mind a little bit because it sounds like what he's saying is happy are the sad. Right? Like, it's just, just ironic to me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Happy are the sad. But that's, that's what he's saying. And the reason why it's weird for us, listen to me, is because naturally you and I do not understand happiness apart from our current circumstance. This is where we struggle. We don't understand how to have happiness over here and our current situation over here. They are automatically blended together. Here's what I mean by that. If we are not having a good day, we are not happy, <laughs> right? Like, like you talk to people all the time and you're like, how are you doing? And they assess their day and what's happened and what they're facing and then they come to a conclusion. Well, I had to get up early and then my boss yelled at me and there was traffic, so I'm not happy. And this is what we do. We allow circumstance to dictate. We, we aren't sure how to separate the two. And because of that, the, to us, the only consolation in a difficult moment is found in that difficult moment coming to an end. Because we can't separate our happiness from our current state, because we don't know how to allow our circumstances to be separate from our feelings, therefore what happens is we come to a conclusion, watch this, that the only good thing about a difficult moment is when it comes to an end. The only good thing about being sick is when I'm no longer sick. The only good thing about us having this argument is when we're done having this argument. The only good thing about me going through this hardship is when I'm done with this hardship. That becomes our mindset, that it's impossible for us to be happy and be in a tough situation. And so our feelings look like this, because Christ promised that we would go through things, that every day can't be a perfect day. That sometimes stuff's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to wake up and your tire's flat. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're going to get a phone call of bad news. Sometimes somebody's going to get on your nerves. And we think that if, if anything happens outside of a perfect day, this is why people are so happy on vacation. Because we're dictated by our circumstance. There are things happening at home that are just as good. But because it's not consistent goodness, we allow those emotions to jump back and forth. So we're happy, we're not happy. We're happy, we're not happy. And this is so important. The second beatitude is teaching us this, that there is happiness inside the difficult day. 
that in the middle of what you're going through, that in the middle of you being sick, there's happiness. In the middle of an argument, there's a reason for happiness. In the middle of a disappointment, there's a reason for happiness. And here's why. The reason for the happiness is that we get to experience in the middle of that difficult situation the provision, the purpose, and the presence of God. That by being in a moment that's difficult, what happens, I talked about this a little bit last week, what happens is we, we kind of finally let go, right? Words of Carrie Underwood, a very good performer, I say that to a friend of mine, uh, she said, uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now, so, so important and writing that wrong, uh, but, but she said, Jesus, take the wheel, that's what it was, remember that? The prophet Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. That, that there's, a, there's a moment whenever something happens, when trouble happens, there's this ability for us to release. And watch, that's the blessedness. The blessedness is anything that moves us to a place where we quit trying to do it on our own. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. When we're in the middle of it, and I know sometimes we don't see it in, the, in, like, in it, but think about it for a minute. Let me, let me kind of pull you in. Do you ever look back and see a situation where when you were in it, you were mad at God for being in it? Yeah. But when you look back on it, you realize it's a blessing? Because in that moment, it moved you closer to God. You saw the provision of God. He provided it. You saw the presence of God. You couldn't explain it, but you were, you were comforted. We have to understand, and I, I wanted to phrase it up like this. God shows up in unique ways to those who are experiencing their worst days. When, when, we, when we're going through a bad day, God shows up in a unique way. And it's important for us to see that. It's important for us to understand it. And that's why Jesus would say, listen, you're going to be persecuted for the gospel. You're going to be trade. You're going to be beaten. You're going to think I, Christ, left you. You're going to think you picked the wrong prophet to follow. You're going, to, you're going to have all of these emotions where you're going to feel pain. And they're going to be here because A, life is life, and B, because you're trying to follow Christ, and it's going to happen. But when it happens, don't be mad about it. I want to talk a minute. You can grieve, but don't be mad about it. Because in it, in the middle of it, you will find the closeness of God. There will be moments where God will reveal to you parts of him that you didn't experience before the pain. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through something and then when I come out of it, my relationship with God is different because there was some real, real relationship grinding, binding experiences. And so last week I gave you three steps on how to flip that feeling of being poor in spirit, being a positive thing. And today I want to give you three thoughts on how to survive your worst day. Because if I just told you that you've been through hard times, you're either in hard times or hard times are coming, there's a good chance that whatever you think was your worst day, that there's a day coming that in that moment you claim was the worst day. Don't say that to scare you. Don't say that to make you depressed. I say it to tell you that God gives us scripture to have us ready for when that day comes. The difference in believers when they're experiencing hard times is not that we don't experience them. It's how we handle them. When people who don't believe in Christ and don't follow Christ see a believer respond to a tragedy... The, the Emotional Healthy Spirituality book we're reading calls it an earthquake moment. When something big happens and we don't respond like everybody else, that's the moment where people around us go, what's different about you? But when we're freaking out like everybody else, they go, well, obviously you don't have a different kind of hope than we have. And Jesus says there are things that if we remember them, we will survive our worst day different than other people. Now, I made them all three R words so that you can remember them, all right? They're going to be easy to remember, and that's just what sick things that pastors do. They just like to make them, you know, be able to, it's just weird. If you take notes, if you're a note taker, please take notes on this. If you don't take notes, please take notes on this, because don't call me on your worst day going, I don't know how to handle it. And I was going, you should have took notes, because I told you how to handle it. Like, this is how you handle it, all right? Number one is this, who you rely on. 
When you go through a hard day, the first thing you need to evaluate is who you are relying on. Listen to me. The very first emotion, the very first feeling that you experience when you enter into a terrible, difficult moment is shock. All right? When you are getting ready to face your worst day, the first emotion you're going to go through is shock. Let me explain. You're going to get a phone call with bad news. Shock. Something's going to happen because you had your whole day scheduled and then something, car wreck happens. New information happens. You get to work and you're ready to work and you find out you're fired. Like something happens that kind of begins your worst day and the first emotion is shock. You don't know how, what? I wasn't expecting this. I remember uh, one Sunday, this is before we moved into our building, we had had church and broke down, tore down church. We went to lunch. We were in Murfreesboro at Genghis Grill eating lunch. And Veda was with some friends from church playing at their house. And Darla gets this phone call. And you can always tell when phone calls are not good phone calls, you know, by people's body and you know, she stand, body language. She stands up and come to find out Veda had been attacked by a pit bull. And, and just instant shock. Like, like that just, that, that's anytime you get bad news, the first feeling you have is shock because you weren't ready for it. You weren't expecting it. And when we are going through a difficult experience and we experience shock, watch this, we become disoriented. When that shock happens, it's just like anything you've ever done. If you've ever been in a car accident and it first happens and you don't, you're not quite all there, this is what happens. You become disoriented and the last person that you can trust in is yourself. When you're disoriented, you don't need to go, what should I do? Something bad has happened. Let me rely on myself and decide what I should do. We should never do that. I, I've shared with you, some of you this story before. Uh, my father gets us a condo in Panama City in the fall, and we go as a family. We're there one day, and, and the entire condo has uh, like ceramic tile flooring. And Veda was probably, I don't know, four or five years old. She was real young. And she's, we're all hanging out one night, and she's running around the condo, and she has socks on or slippers or something. And she turns this corner around this table, and her feet slip. And when she does, she hits face first on the ceramic tile. And, and you know, at first, you, don't really, you can't really assess the situation. It's like, all right, she comes up, and her face is just covered in blood. And shock, all right, in case you're wondering. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Just what just happened? We were just chilling. Now this has changed. My mother-in-law is a retired nurse, so she jumps into action. Darla is the best mother I've ever known, so she jumps into action. Me, I went and washed dishes. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm, I'm not good with stuff like that. I don't like blood. It's not one of my favorite things. And, and my daughter's hurt, and I just don't like when people that I love get hurt. It bothers me. I don't know how to deal with it. That's why I pray a lot so it doesn't happen. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, what do I do? You got mom, you got nurse. And I was like, well, I can clean some bowls. You know what I mean? And so I go to the kitchen, and I start washing. Why am I telling you that? Because you should not trust yourself in a moment like that. The biggest problem in our culture today is when we face a bad day, we run to ourselves. How am I going to deal with this? How should I respond to this? What's the best decision to make? You can't make a good decision. You're disoriented. You're thrown off. You're not thinking wisely. You're not thinking biblically. You're not thinking correctly. You're, you're messed up here because that wasn't supposed to happen. And yet you're going to respond to how you think you should respond? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. He would plant churches, and then he would travel, and he would write letters back to those churches because false prophets would come through, and they'd try to say, Paul's saying this, Paul's saying that. So he would send letters to say, this is what I'm saying. Don't listen to these people. So you need to read this if you get a chance. Read the whole chapter 1 if you get a chance. But it's all about trouble, times that we're going through, daily troubles. But I want to read verses 8 and 9 to you. Watch this. It says, we were under great pressure. Shock, pressure, bad days are pressure, right? We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Shock, we didn't know what to do. We were disoriented, watch this. So that we despaired of life itself. That means he was thinking suicidal. You ever think about that? 
He goes on to say, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. He's saying, I was so messed up that I wasn't thinking straight. That I, the Apostle Paul, was thinking about life coming to an end because I didn't know how to handle it. The reason why you've ever had thoughts like that during a bad experience is because you're not thinking straight. It's okay. It it happens. It's why you shouldn't rely on yourself. And watch what Paul goes on to say. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul said, what I've gone through, when it happened to me, it shocked me. It it was pressure. We didn't know what to do with it. And we thought about relying on ourselves. And if we would have relied on ourselves, we would have died. But luckily, we didn't rely on ourselves. We relied on God. And when it comes time for you to face your worst day, you have to make sure you are relying on the right person. When we're overwhelmed, this is so good. We must have a place to run to that is higher than we are. We have to have a place that we can run to that's higher than our parents, that's higher than our safety in our bank account, certainly higher than our own mental ability. We have to have a place that we can run to that soars above our situation. So when we face something, don't run from God, don't run from the Father, but run to Him. A few months ago, Pastor Ron, my pastor, was in town and he spoke here and Saturday he came in town Saturday and we spent the day together just kind of talking through some things and I never forget this we were talking about our kids he has three kids they're all old you know older and married now but he said this statement we were sitting there eating lunch and he said um I love it when my kids need me he said because that's what I'm here for and his whole point was that as a dad as a parent and and those of you that are parents I think you'll agree with this our 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 most enjoyable moment is when our kids really need us. And normally when our kids really need us, they're having a really bad day. So if we feel that way, that when our kids are having a bad day, we love that they need us because it makes us feel like that's our purpose, then how do we think the Father God feels when we have a bad day and we need God? Because what religion will tell you is that when you have a bad day and you turn to God, God is saying, well, all of a sudden you think I exist. You know what I mean? Like we think there's like this judgmental attitude of God, like, oh, now you need my help. That's not how God thinks. God loves it when you need him. That's what he's here for. So when you read through scripture, and you'll read this a lot, suffering is promised, but so is comfort. Suffering's promised. I told you at the beginning, I didn't hold any punches. You are going to go through hard times. And I think that's better than hearing that you're not. Right? Because if you walk out of here today going, oh, because we go to Victory Church, we are blessed and highly favored, and we're never going to experience hardship. And then when it happens, you're mad at me. Like you lying, you know, tight jean wearing, little beard having, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, I said it, so you, I'm like Eminem and 8 Mile. I diss myself and you can't diss me, you know? Holy Spirit's gone. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's important for us to hear. Because then what happens? It doesn't catch us off guard. So suffering is promised, but hear me, so is comfort. If suffering being promised scares you, then let comfort being promised comfort you. Right? So if you're going to survive your worst day, step one is already knowing who you are going to rely on. Go ahead and, you know how uh, in text message threads and things, you can pin a message so that every time somebody gets on it, that message automatically comes up. You know what I'm talking about? I know there's a word for it, but I'm not technical. Go ahead and pin in the fact that anytime something bad happens, you're going to rely on God. That anytime something bad goes wrong, that you're going to trust God. Go ahead and pin that in, and then every time it happens, boom, 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 rely. Number two is this, remember. Remember, the first stage or emotion that we experience when we face a bad day is shock. Oh my gosh, what just happened? Oh my goodness. The second is sorrow. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me. Sorrow is not bad. If there's anything we teach in EHS class, it's that feelings, you should be allowed to feel your feelings. If you want to cry, cry. Jesus did. If you want to be mad, be mad. Like like the emotion aspect is fine. You can be sorrowful. Where it gets wrong is this, is when we become, or when we are overcome by sorrow. It's one thing to be upset. 
It's another thing to be overcome by being upset that, watch this, we start to think that things will never change and that we have no hope. That's where the problem becomes. It's not you needing to cry. We all need to cry occasionally. Actually, sometimes I think my body is like tears are trapped. And so like I'll be watching a movie and it's not even sad. And they'll be like, are you crying? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like these things just been, they need to come out like it's okay. But let's not become overcome by that sorrow to where we start to believe, you know what? There's no hope. No, things are never going to change. That's when we become overcome by it. And watch, Paul goes on to say, after he says, rely on God, not yourself. This may be my favorite thing that, that Paul said uh, in verse 10. Watch this. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. On him, we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So watch. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. Right? One of our favorite things to preach here is he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. So he's saying he has delivered you. The last time you were in the middle of a bad day, he did deliver you. He did strengthen you. He did help you. You may not give him credit, but he did it. It wasn't you. You can't even fold clothes correctly. He did it. He did it. And he will do it. Right now, if you're facing something, he did it and he will do it. And thank you, God, he will continue to do it. But what if I mess up in sin? He will continue to do it. What if I don't attend church? He will continue to do it. You should come to church, but I'm just telling you. It's like you wanting to get in shape, but you don't go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like you should. You don't have to, but you should. He will continue. He has. He will. He will continue. Here's what Paul's saying. The best predictor of God's present help is his past faithfulness. If I'm going to know that God's going to get me through this, then I got to look back and remember all the things that God got me. Can I get an amen? I'm wondering if I'm preaching to the right people this morning. I can testify. I can be in the middle of a hardship and I don't like it and I'm crying because it's tough, but something deep down in me knows that God's going to get me out because he's got me out before. I could give you a list of things and a list of days where I thought, this is it for me. You know what I mean? Like God's been here, but this is the one that's going to take me out. And now I'm standing here in front of you today, victorious over those moments. And it's not that we don't know it. It's just that we got to train ourselves. You know what I mean? He will. He has. He will continue to. This is who he is. He's... me get off script for a second. Listen to me. If you're going through something right now, I think this is God's way. He made sure you were here today. Remember you woke up and you didn't feel like coming to work or you didn't feel like coming to church because it's Sunday and it feels okay outside and you're tired because you worked all day yesterday and you, know, you, 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 know, and you just didn't want to come and you came anyway and you're here and God wanted to tell you, listen to me, I did, I will, I am. I am. Remember when Moses went, said, I don't even know what to tell him. Sam, I don't even know what to tell him. What's your name, God? God said, tell him, I am. I am blank. Why the blank? Because whatever it is that you're going through, he is. He is. Broken marriage, he's enough. Sickness, he is. Hardship, he is. Depression, he is. Anxiety, he is. Disappointment, he is. He is. He is. And listen, I wouldn't get so passionate if I was preaching about someone who's never proven himself. If I was trying to get you all hopeful over something that might happen. But I'm preaching something that has. And it has. And it will. And it will continue to. Amen? There was this show uh, 10 years ago maybe. I don't know. You'll know as I say it. But darling, I got addicted to it. It's called 24. Y'all remember this show? Jack Bauer, he was like amazing. And we got into it after it had been out. There was like five or six seasons out on DVD and somebody was giving us the DVDs and we were watching them. And it was so funny because every night we'd be watching one. 
and it'd be like two o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? And we had to get them to take the kids to school, and we're like, we gotta watch another one. Like, because every time it ended, it ended on a cliffhanger. And you didn't know if Jack was gonna die and if the world was gonna survive. Like, like it was always to be like, you know, nuclear bomb, three seconds left, Jack's an hour and a half away. What's gonna happen? You know, like in real life, we're all dead, you know? But because it's TV, he like, you know, morphed over there, so I don't know what it was. But it would go off and we'd be like, we gotta watch another one. We were like freelance at two o'clock in the morning. We're like toothpicks holding our eyes open, you know what I mean? We're like, gotta watch another one. Why? Because we don't know if Jack's gonna live. And we don't know if the world's gonna survive. We might not wake up in the morning because Jack didn't save us. You know? And all we had, look, y'all laugh, y'all know y'all the same way. Same way. Some of y'all watching Walking Dead, like, I don't know if they're gonna live. But all we had to do, all we had to do was look at the dresser. Because on the dresser was season three and season four and season five and season six. And guess what? If Jack Bauer dies, we ain't got six seasons. If the world implodes, we ain't got six seasons, right? So here we were full of anxiety. Will we sit saved this time? And the evidence is sitting right on the dresser. Listen to me. Will you survive what you're going through? The evidence is in your Bible. Yes, it's sitting on your dresser. There's the evidence, right? Revelation says that he will reign again. He is victorious. He rose from the dead. You will survive. You will, you will, you will. Do I know this? Because the word tells me so. He's enough. He will. I know you think right now, maybe in a couple weeks, that you'll never get through this that you'll never be happy again, that you'll never survive this. And not only does scripture tell us that he's a healer and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but can I tell you something about being a believer? He tells you that this isn't even our home. My goal is not even to stay here. This is fun and all, but let's be honest. I'm going somewhere where what we consider valuable here, we walk on there. I'm going somewhere where it says no tear, no heartache. I'm going somewhere where every day I get to have a worship concert, where I get to live with God. That's my real hope. So even if I'm having a terrible day, whether God get, brings me out of it, praise God, he did, he will, he'll continue to, or whether he doesn't, I'm going somewhere better than here. So those who mourn will be comforted. Some of you are thinking like, man, I knew somebody and, and it was a hardship and they didn't make it out of it. So they weren't comforted. Who do you think met them at the gates? The Bible says that he'll look and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I got a feeling he does some hugging and high-fiving before that moment. You know what I mean? Like, I believe there's some comfort there. Regardless, when we mourn, we will be comforted. So who do we rely on? fact that we remember who it is and then last but not least receive we receive I said we go through shock and then sorrow and then struggle we struggle we, we, we shock oh this happened sorrow this is terrible struggle I don't know how to handle it the one thing that we can't do the most important thing listen to me is not to face that struggle alone you can't face that struggle alone. I, I was talking to two different friends this weekend, one last night, one yesterday morning, and we were talking about how culture is moving us to a place where we are separated and isolated from each other. That's on purpose because the devil understands scripture too. And he understands that God said, first of all, that it's not good for you and I to be alone. He said that in the beginning, it still holds true today. And the worst thing for you and I when we are facing a hard time is to look around and be doing it by ourselves. And everything that Christ spoke on, even when he sent the disciples out to minister, it was two by two. He said, you need somebody. You've got to have people around you. I mentioned uh, Veda getting attacked by the pit bull. It was, a, it, was a, it was a rough day for us just because, you know, we had had church. 
we had torn down because we were still in the school. We were physically, mentally exhausted trying to enjoy our lunch. And then this happens and we rush and, and Darla, you know, she, she rushes to get her. I'm trying to pay the bill and get our food. Just emotional. A friend of ours is a nurse. And so she said, yeah, she's going to need stitches. And so we went to Stonecrest Hospital and we're sitting in the waiting room with our kids and Brian and Erica walk in and Dallas and Megan walk in. Megan and Erica, they go back to be with Darla and Veda. Dallas and Brian are sitting with me in the waiting room and we're eating our food. And, and I'm not, please understand, like God protected my baby. And so I don't even dare try to put that comparison to what you went through. But I don't know how that would have gone if there wouldn't have been people there with me. You know what I mean? To just be sitting in it. We were there for hours. I was already mentally and physically exhausted. So to, so to tell dumb jokes and laugh with my friends was really good for me. And this is the whole concept that God puts into motion. There are so many things that I wouldn't have survived without other people. I can't tell you how many things that if my wife wasn't with me, my best friend, I would have never survived it. I'm telling you, my friends right now, my, my, my friends that are there for me, I don't, I, there's so many things that would have taken me out. I can't tell how many things I go to Andrew with on a daily basis, and I come to him with something, and, and I, it's like he's this weird, robotic, positive thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's always a positive response. It's always a, a, a half-glass-full response, and I, lo- I hate him, but I love him. You know what I mean? It's like, just be mad for a second. He's like, well, God knows. And I'm like, yeah. But I need that. I need that. I was with some friends a few nights ago, and we were talking about just getting together for dinner. And I was like, I need it. I need it. You need it. And the church does all it can. This is going to be a free little promotion for a second. We do everything we can to help you with that. First of all, church, being here physically, is a great opportunity for it. I know online's the hot thing. You are not getting it all. I love when people hang out in the lobby for an hour after service because that's where that's really, it's really happening. And then we do it, our dream team, people who serve together, they end up getting in a small group, whether it's V Kids, First Impressions, Worship Production, there's this small group. And I can't tell you, we're on this thing called Discord where there's messages and all that. And I can't tell you all the testimonies from people. Hey, would you pray for me? All of a sudden, praying for you. What you need? I'll bring you food. What do you need? I'll write you. I mean, just do, 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 do. All because they serve in a ministry together. And they go to church together. Would you pray for me? My, my parents, what do you need? Food, food trains. We have a thing on Discord where if you have something and you don't want it, you can give it to people. What in the world? Like it's all about loving people, giving you friends, surrounding you with people, small groups, the events and outreach, all the things that Kyle and Zenobia oversee that are all about you being together. Listen, if you haven't found somebody yet to walk with you, it's not because you don't have an opportunity to do so. It's because you've arrived at a place where you're so busy that you're not doing it and the devil has isolated you because you can buy groceries and you can get gas and you can work and never see a person. And in the weekend, when all of a sudden you get sick, or a family member's in the hospital and you're dealing with this and you don't know what to do, you're looking for somebody to be with you and there's nobody there because you haven't allowed anybody in. And then the devil wants us to walk in here and go, y'all don't love me. We're doing everything we can to love you. Everything we can to give you a, a group of people to try so that you don't have to do it alone. And it's not just the church. You can do it outside the church. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be through the church. But do it. Do it. Do it. We are blessed because we are leaning in to God and other people. And it's blessed because we get to lean in to God and other people. So here's how you survive your worst day. Number one, don't rely on yourself, rely on God. Number two, remember what he did in the past, that he can do it in the present. And then number three, get you some people around you that when something happens, they'll show up. They'll bring food, cut your grass. Not because they want anything out of it, but because they love you. 
To me, that's the best picture of Christ. It's somebody who's with you, not because they want anything out of it, but because they just love you and want to be there for you. And that's available. But our culture is telling us to walk away from it. It's telling us that you're strong enough. Can I tell you something? You are not strong enough. You're not. Do me a favor. Everybody stand in this place. I want to pray. I do want to invite Chris. Can I invite you down? And babe, I might invite, darling, sorry. Y'all don't know who babe is. Um, might invite you down for a second. I, I really would like some personal prayer availability. Just in case there's somebody in here. Paul said, I, I, am, I am done. I'm done. And in case there's somebody who's like, I'm almost done. And you don't know where to turn to. You don't know how to do this is the opportunity right here. If nothing else, we can do it right here. We can pray right here. But I, I would like to pray over everyone. And then and when I say amen, that time will be open. I tell you what, I'll invite the worship team as well. We'll go into a song and kind of close out that way. But I, I really want to pray over you, but I really want to open the altar time for you to be able to have personal prayer if you need it. Listen, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're not saved, the Bible says you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. We'd love to walk you through that as well down here. Don't leave, do not leave out of here today with the same attributes and avenues you had when you came in, relying on yourself and nobody to be with you. The devil's doing the best he can to keep you isolated. Can I tell you one of the worst things that happened in 2020 is that there was this spirit of uh, isolation, this spirit of kind of, you know, separating people. And we haven't yet back to being able to actually together and encourage one another and love and help one another. And when you got to start today, it's got to start today. So I'll pray. And then when I say amen, if you just need personal prayer, please, please come down. Father, we thank you right now for your word. It is alive and it's moving in our hearts. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's not they might be comforted. It's that it's possible that they'll be comforted. It's that they will because in and going through that, we get the provision and the presence and the purpose of God. I pray you'd help us to learn how to rely on you, not ourselves. I pray you'd help us to remember what you've done in the past, that then you will do that in the future. And I pray that you would continue to surround us with friends and loved ones and people that we can do life with, that can encourage us when we're going through tough times. So Father, I pray right now, right now specifically, for any person that's dealing with something and they're at the end of the rope, I pray they'd be set free today. I pray we'd be able to pray with them, be able to stand with them. For any person in this room that's looking for friends, looking for someone to come around them, that they would speak up today and that we could get them connected and involved with a group of people, a circle of friends. Father, we pray against the enemy. Anything that he would do to get us to be overwhelmed with our sorrow, that we would not go to you and be comforted, but that we would remain away from you, uncomforted. But let there be just revelation today, healing today, provision today. In your name, in your name, you did not shy away that we would go through hard times, but you promised that you would use it and comfort us and let it happen in this place today. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.